0: Hi everybody, I'm Cess Busby, Editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. If gaining access to finance is a concern for your business, then today's podcast is just for you. Kevin Higgins is the Executive Director at Vantage Performance, and he's an expert in helping businesses turn around their finances. As banks and lenders are looking more and more at protecting their mortgage books and the availability of capital gets tighter, find out how you can improve your chances and increase your lender's confidence so that you can get the funds that you need to succeed. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Nice to be here. Excellent. Now, um, I'm going to pick your brain around all things funding and loans and all that kind of thing, which is quite a essential topic for a lot of our business owners at the moment, which are probably going through a lot of significant challenges with the economy being what it is. So um, first up, what are some of the common um Funding challenges that you've observed when it comes to small businesses and sole traders trying to get loans?
1: Yeah, I think the the funding challenges um, primarily stem from lack of good visibility uh, to provide to the funders who are going to do the deal. Um, So often, a bugbear of theirs is that they don't have, well, they've got late uh, information. and uh, often the information is is incorrect or the assumptions underpinning it are just unreasonable so some of the the key things that they kind of ask for is things like three-way forecasts, that's PL balance sheet cash flow projected because they want to see that whatever they lend is going to be able to be serviced um, and those assumptions that are underpinning that serviceability is are reasonable um, so that I would say that's probably one of the the, the biggest challenges uh, that a banker has um, and a funder um, and, and often the getting the information on time. Um, you know, so, sometimes it's, uh, you know, that, that's a bit of a warning sign for for banks if they've asked for something and and it takes, you know, a month to, to provide that information back. Um, it just tells them that the information is not readily available and at the, the company's fingertips and things like financials and data and all that kind of stuff, that should be at a, at a business's fingertips because that, that demonstrates that they're across everything and they're it, it, it's good live data within the business.
0: Mm. So would you be suggesting then if someone's going to approach a lender, whether it's a bank or non-bank, for funding, that they really prepare in advance before they go and make the question, you know, what are the key steps that they should be taking to make sure that they look like they're an attractive investment and then so that they will get get the money that they need for their business
1: yeah i mean it's yes it, if, if they demonstrate that they've got a good grasp I mean, I'll, I'll give you another example it it's uh, you know that the, the company might be coming to the bank to to raise you know let, let's say they want 5 million dollars from the bank um, now the bank might look at the balance sheet and go well uh, you know, I'm only prepared to lend three, um, so you need to go back and find the other two million within your business. And and the reason they're saying that is because they're looking at the balance sheet and they're saying seeing what uh, we would describe as some lazy capital just sitting on the balance sheet. When I say lazy capital, I mean um, you know working capital. Working capital being debtors, creditors, and stock. So if your debtors, you know, are not are are kind of Getting delayed, and they're they you know they're not being collected on time, um, you know, or if your stock turnover is uh, is not industry best practice, then they'll they'll question that and they'll look at that to say, well, you need to go back and, and review that and make sure that you're you're doing everything you can to make sure that your cash conversion cycle, which is the moment that you order goods to the the other end of the spectrum as to when you're invoicing and collecting those goods is that as tight as possible? Uh, if that's tight as possible, um, and then then the bank's job is then just to fund those uh, peaks and troughs throughout the year when it comes to seasonal kind of ups and downs. So they know that, right, you're doing everything you can to maintain a good, tight working capital uh, grasp on the business. And now the bank is just that kind of, they'll, they'll cover those uh, you know highs and lows. So yeah, so having a good Good grasp of that and understanding often, and I think the other thing I would say, you know, the the, the three way forecasts, um, I'd say probably eighty percent of the time the banks get three way forecasts that are prepared with no real, I guess, uh, you know, sense checking of. the the assumptions so they might just flatline revenue or they might flatline cost of goods sold or whatever that might be and that again that tells the banker well no one's really testing this no one's doing any what if scenarios because those are the things that the bank do when they get it as well or any funder um a good funder will will straight away they'll test revenue you know what if revenue declines five ten percent what if what if input costs rise a further 5%? Because we've seen during COVID that's uh, significantly escalated for a lot of businesses, energy costs, fuel costs, um, uh, you know, freight and whatnot. So so if you're demonstrating that you've actually tested that, then that gives the bank more comfort that, right, we're, we're, we're dealing with a good, uh, you know, customer here that's very attuned to their own kind of risks in the business. And, and you know, we're happy to support them in that respect.
0: Mm. And so, apart from um you know a loan from a traditional lender, what are some other options that small businesses could take advantage of if they're looking for funding?
1: yeah, it it, uh, it probably depends on the what's required. I mean um there there are specialist type funding as well, so for instance your your debtors. Um, there's specialist invoice financing type facilities that just fund your debtors uh, and when I say invoice fi- finance that's it brings you know, you, you brings eighty percent of your debtors forward say thirty days and you get that cash hit straight away um, and then you hmm. kind of pay that so off. that's
0: a good option if perhaps you're struggling with cash flow yeah uh,
1: absolutely yeah and and it's not for everyone because it's it's it it really it works for businesses that uh, the, the revenues kind of on the increase as well because it it brings cash forward all the time if your revenue is in decline it, it can kind of work against you a little bit so you, you you really need to be on top of your 13-week cash flow which is another tool to map out and your your three-way forecast to say well if if uh, you know if our revenue does decline is that going to work against us so you know, and, and things like trade finance, um, you know, that's another example of funding the stock at one end of the spectrum. Um, and normally you can get, you know, up to 120 days um, before you have to invoice that. And then when you invoice it, it might be that you use the invoice uh, finance function as well. So they can kind of dovetail in. But I, I would say before you even look at those type of fundings, it's actually look at the business itself. Look at your debtors. What What is, you know, where, where have your debtor days been over time so it might have been that they were at one stage 35 days now they're sitting out at 45 days so the the question is what do we need to do as a management team to get those 10 days back again and it it may be challenging because the, the product mix has changed and it's and uh, customers are kind of you know, dragging things out. Some things are out of your control, but then that might be that might lead on to another question: is to are they our ideal customer? I mean, if that customer is stringing us out sixty days before we get paid, whereas we've got other customers here that are paying us within thirty days, well, our thirty-day customers our ideal customer because um, we don't have to fund that thirty-day gap. So, so looking at those ideal customers is is great, and that's the old eighty-twenty rule. Um, uh as far as looking at low margin customers and calling them and just focusing on the high margin and those that are that are actually going to pay us and that's the same with your creditors as well um you know some of those creditors might be more trouble than what it's worth to actually deal with from a very onerous kind of supply terms contract terms so you know that that's a good um, excuse to potentially consolidate your, your creditors and put all your, your volume through one particular creditor, but negotiate some good rates with them. And by negotiating some good rates and creditor uh, and, and terms, that might help um, manage those creditor days as well. It might You might actually get an extra 10 days potentially from those creditors. Um, and it's interesting. So when you look at the working capital, the, the, the creditor days, the debtor days, the stock days, it, it's only a small incremental uh, improvement in each of those and when i say incremental it could be like a better like two days at collecting your uh, invoice that two days could you know depending on your turnover that could be an extra half a million dollars at the end of the year and that half a million dollars will go a long way to fu- to closing that gap that the bank wasn't going to lend you um, because they they want to force you to 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 work um you know to to understand your own working capital cycle and cash conversion cycle so that that that's the first place i would look um and there's you know many ways to to uh you know to to improve that
0: mm. and so uh right at the beginning we were talking about some of the mistakes that business owners make in terms of going to a bank and looking for funding and the bank's going give me the three-way reporting and then 6 weeks later they finally get it so obviously that's a fairly common mistake and a bit of a pitfall for for small business owners seeking funding. What are some other kind of common pitfalls that you might see and how could they be best avoided?
1: Yeah, I think um, another pitfall I would say is probably just that the the whole element of trust and developing that trust relationship with your funder. Um, So rather than, you know, just coming to them when because because often uh, customers come to the banks when they're they, they look at their own cash flow and they go oh i'm running out of cash i better get some some funds in or they haven't done enough planning to see any shortfall coming up so i think having that ongoing dialogue with the banker and developing that trust and show uh, and, and with that trust you know the banker then starts getting confidence because we often say it's a, it's a game of confidence um, and the more confident the business is and, and bridging that confidence between the business and the bank, the more confident the bank are and the, the higher likelihood it is that they're going to fund. There's um, It's interesting. We've got a um, actually a program uh, that we run Advantage uh, called uh, that's a, re- a Resilience Index. So we, we actually um, test companies out of a score of 50 as to how resilient they are, if there was any economic headwinds and, and things like that coming up. Uh, and often, um, you know, companies that score kind of 15 out of out of 50, we would say is a low resilience. And there's probably a highly likelihood they're probably gonna, not going to be around in, you know, five, 10 years time. So um, ticking off in some of those uh, resilience aspects, even if you tick off and, you know, two things a quarter or one a quarter, um, those are things that go to improving resilience, therefore improving uh you know the the confidence that a business has because it's um, in in its ability to to get through the economic headwinds and demonstrating that to the bank is you know is great. So what one of those resilience factors might be you know do you know your um, uh, your, your pipeline sales conversion rate? So a lot of businesses wouldn't know that um, you know uh, like how much gross pipeline do you need in your and your pipeline for it to convert into revenue i mean that's that's an interesting metric and if you demonstrate you're all over that metric again that's another confidence thing that says to the bank right they're 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 across their numbers um do you have a three-way model do you have a do you manage your cash flow um you know and and how's that done do you know the number one thing you're great at in your business you know because often businesses kind of over time they add on different services different products and then when they stop to look at things after ten years, they go right. We've now just bloated our our our, our uh, customers, as in we've got too many customers and too many products. Um, we need to you know start shaping things again. So though you know, demonstrating that you're constantly being aware of the business and its resilience. If we do get knocked by the next you know pandemic or or some further disruption to the supply chain. Um, demonstrating that is good for the bank. And it also goes into credit worthiness too. So the bank might have certain element of uh, risk that they are pricing into what they're pricing for those for the lending. Um, so the more you can demonstrate how resilient you are, the lower the pricing is going to be at the end of the day as well. So they, that, that's another reason to demonstrate to them that, that you're across strategically the business um you're across your 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 channel to markets and you're constantly revising that as well that's what the banks wants to say they just they don't want to see you lagging behind competitors because they're funding other people in your industry and they're benchmarking you against others, and they're going to say right well, these guys down the road are doing all this why you why are you guys not doing that you've just been sitting on your hands for you know four years writing things out so um things like that would would give confidence
0: mm-hmm. Um, Now, a lot of our listeners are sole traders or micro business owners. And I think securing loans for them can be really particularly challenging, often because they've made the mistake of not separating their finances properly. So their personal and business finances are really very intertwined. So what strategies could they use to maybe Build a clearer separation between those business and personal finances to start with, and once they've done that, how can they improve their prospects for getting a loan, like their loan eligibility?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know a focus on paying down debt is probably a good uh, a good thing to focus on. So any any profits that there are in the business that can be you know put down into lowering debt and. And the, the lower the debt is, so when it comes to negotiating any finance facilities, they'll they'll be in a stronger position to take some of those personal assets out of that pool as well, and and put them to the side. Um, so I think you know the 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 reason personal assets are put in there is because uh, th- there's not enough equity sitting within the balance sheet of the business, and the the, the banks then need to supplement that by getting. Um, some personal security to to to, to call on that, uh, which is rarely called on, uh, but it's still that they have that as a as a comfort factor. So my ad- advice there was would be just to, to to strengthen the balance sheet as much as possible. Uh, in, any retained profits, put that off debt. Um, the lower the debt, uh, the more secure the balance sheet. The more secure the balance sheet, uh, the the less likely a funder is going to rely on. Or on some of those personal assets and you know and and also you know just not necessarily banking related but you know things like personal guarantees and whatnot just i would always just be conscious of of uh you know when to give those personal guarantees even to, to create trade creditors and whatnot and unsecured creditors because if, if you don't have to give it don't give it um that's my my old restructuring hat being put on that because you know if that can be negotiated out Absolutely, do that um, because that's a, you know that that's a further risk element personally for directors. Um, that you know if you've got a strong enough balance sheet, that they shouldn't again same thought process that the the, the, secure, the unsecured creditors shouldn't need to rely on any personal guarantee to get through because um, because the, the balance sheet's strong enough.
0: So. Mm. so, what if I am a small business owner and I've the bank saying I am going to have to say put up my home for collateral for a business loan? Are there any kind of precautions that I can take that will make me feel better about doing that? Because <laughs> that's a pretty big thing to do. Yeah,
1: I mean, what I would say to that is just make sure that you've, you've got a really good, clear uh, business plan uh, and, and strategy for the business. And make sure that that's, that strategy has been. uh you know, reviewed and revised um, and you've got some good people around you to help execute on that strategy because it is, you know, it is a lonely kind of road being out there as a director. You know, as you say, you're putting all your assets on the line and you're relying on the management team and the people around you to help uh, fulfill that strategy. But I mean, I I would be uh, making sure that that strategy is clearly articulated and it's, and it's bought in by the management team, um, or your your key people. At least, so it's not just you as an owner going, "This is, this is my strategy, and here's the, and here's how we're going to roll it out." Um, have the have the have the owner say, "Here's my strategy," but then get the management team to roll it out, because that'll test their uh, test their capability, and and you're not just solely relying on, um, you know, one individual to, to get things through. I mean, it it is inevitable that they have to provide you know often with startup businesses or small businesses personal guarantees but um, if you surround yourself by good people and have got a, a really well articulated strategy now that strategy you know changes over time which all of them do um, then you can pivot very quickly to to deal with that and you know uh, uh, you know part of that strategy even from a funding point of view I, I always stress this three-way forecast to to for a for a business owner to be across their numbers, um, th- there's got to be no surprises for them. So if you know, and, and you know, have, have one key metric in your business that if that key metric you know starts to decline, that's that's a reason for you to start pivoting or start looking at headcount or start or maybe start growing and, and, and putting some more risk on the table. But I, I can't stress enough, knowing the numbers and having good visibility of that one thing, knowing them. But it's, it's pointless, you know, knowing your numbers, but we, if you don't have the visibility as in three months, six months and, and, you know, some business owners might say, well, I don't know what's happening three months ahead or what's happening six months ahead. Well, if something is better than nothing um, as far as uh, pipeline forecasting and sales forecasting. Um, and, you know, that, that that would be, a you know, that would give me comfort, you know, uh, for, in that respect. Um and, and give the uh, the business owner comfort that they've got some good visibility.
0: Mm. And, and it's so much easier for businesses to do that these days with all of the advances in um, the accounting software or the reporting that's achievable within that, the forecasting. So there is kind of really no excuse not to do it, is there?
1: What I would say is, I mean, yes, you've got accounting packages like Xero and Myob and, and others that do... Provide that uh, ability to do that, um, but it's actually um, getting it produced every month, um, and and you know dissecting it. So, you know, if it's not your external accountant that's providing it, um, it at, the, at the very minimum, it should be the bookkeeper within the business, and they should be allocating a time in the month, the tenth day of the month, typically um to close off the previous month and to sit down and, and i would suggest i i'm a big advocate advantage we're all big advocates for one page everything so a one-page dashboard um and in that dashboard you've got you know half a dozen key metrics around uh you know uh could be cash conversion debtor days creditor days profit uh versus budget so half a, like like you're driving your car down the road you've got a dashboard in front of you of of you know how fast you're traveling and whatnot so if you've got all those key financial metrics and do we have enough in the pipeline from a sales perspective it depends what type of business is that it is but if it's you know a SaaS business a software um uh, as a service then you know it's all about you know you need a massive pipeline and to be able to convert that pipeline so if that's what your business is about then you need to have good visibility on that and are, are we hitting our gross pipeline of two million dollars at any point in time of which we're gonna convert thirty percent of it. And that thirty percent of it's gonna be our revenue for the next three months type thing. Um so, you know, I'd encourage you to or the business owners to know what that one page dashboard should look like and have it produced and sitting in front of your desk, you know, on the tenth day of every month. Um, you know, it's not gonna be perfect. There's gonna be few movements but at least it's going to raise more questions about why is this happening or what's going on there and all that kind of stuff and then then over time you just get used to that level of visibility and then then there's going to be more you know sophisticated questions come out of it so definitely Mm. one page dashboard.
0: Yeah and at the very least that gives you an idea of how much capital you need to survive and then what you might need to thrive so when you go into that those banks you know you've got all your data you take it with you you they can see what how you're doing it and what it is that you're trying to achieve
1: yeah yeah that that's right and I wouldn't um, as a business owner I, I wouldn't entirely rely on um, the numbers that are produced to you as an owner I think you've got to you know you've got to have that ability to question uh, which a lot of them business owners are, are great at doing so if you get something from your external accountant or your internal accountant just just don't take it as read just uh critique it and ask loads of questions um because at the end of the day the, the business owner the the bank's going to be asking you the questions as in the business owner and if you're you know fumbling over stuff then you know, that's going to be a lack of confidence. So I'd, I'd make sure that you've done a, a bit of a dummy test or a, a trial run before you meet with the bank and, and just be, just know your numbers, be right across it. Um, and uh, th- then that's going to just exude confidence. And if you can answer a question at that bank meeting or with the, you know whoever it is you just say look i'll take that offline i'll look into that but that's you know, unusual or whatever it is but but certainly know your numbers and that's that. that's just going to elevate that comp because the the banks look at character they've got the, the the five c's of of providing credit to business one of those the biggest of the five c's is the the character of the of the business owner so if they if they are confident, they know the numbers, they know their strategy, they know where they're, they are in the market, they know the opportunities. You know, they've had a good look under their bonnet themselves and looked at their SWOT analysis. And, and you know, they're, they're bringing the management team along the journey with them and not just doing it alone. I think that's an important thing. If the management team aren't capable of being on that journey, then maybe they shouldn't be, you know, part of the business because that's, you know, it, it shouldn't just be a sole, you know, one, one guy driving. Um, you know the business forward it should be your management team and 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 really you know the owner setting the direction um of travel but it's the management team who are who are actually executing on the plan um so that's uh yeah so plenty of things to do to to go into confidence
0: yeah so we've kind of talked about the the banks would be doing all their due diligence on whether the the business owner is worthy of being <laughs> being awarded a loan or, or whatever. But um, what about my due diligence? Like what should I be looking at from a bank or an investor or a funder? Like how do I decide whether they're going to be the right potential investor for my business?
1: As a, this is the company director looking at the bank and seeing if they're yeah. the right investor? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah. Well, I, th- I think you've got to assess.
0: I mean, I guess it's very individual, but yeah, yeah <laughs> there must be some criteria.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's criteria like flexibility too. I mean, to be able to, th- this comes back to the earlier thing of trust and having a good rapport, you know, with with the bank and the funder, uh, because there are going to be times when, you know, there are kind of urgent needs, maybe for for cash or. Um, you know there, there's been a blip in the road at some stage and you need to be able to to call in your funder so funders having that 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 have demonstrated that flexibility and commercial approach to businesses um, you know some funders might just land and just go on to their next deal and not you know kind of talk to the customer but you know until and, and until the next you know event happens um, whether it's a distress or whatnot but I think but a good funder will be uh, someone who's you know regularly kind of checking in uh, with the director, um, and if that if if the director gets a good sense of that in in the relationship, it's it's you know someone that they can call upon and have a good honest conversation with, because because often you know directors don't think that they can have a uh, you know a good honest conversation with with their relationship banker. Um, for whatever reason. Um, and that that's probably not a great, you know, situation to have because because then early warning signs are missed um, and we're, we're a good relationship manager in, within the bank. We'll pick up on that and and kind of escalate that to get a solution for the customer. So so having that, I'd say, so how, how do you pick the right investor? I would, It's it's like, you know, Picking a good work colleague or a, or a, a you know a good friend, you, you need to have a good level of trust with that banker and know that they know your industry, um, and uh, you know that are flexible enough to move with any uh, uncertainty that happens, you know, within the industry. So what you know, some questions around that.
0: Mm. So what about? I've done all my paperwork. I've I'm exuding confidence. I can answer all the questions, but yet I'm still rejected by. By the bank, what kind of advice would you have to someone who's, you know, they've done all the hard work, they they need the money, but their loan's being rejected. How can they kind of stay motivated, and resilient, and keep going, and then maybe try again in a few months' time? And will the bank give you a reason, or will they just flat out reject you?
1: No, they'll they'll give you a reason. Um, they'll definitely give you a reason, um, and, you know, it's it'll it'll often be around creditworthiness. Uh, and you know the the or or it might be that earlier example of working capital so they the the, the company's asking for a million dollars but the bank's only willing to give half a million so the bank are really expecting you know the business owner to go back and look at that other working you know within the business but let's just say that that the, the the company owners squeezed all the, the working capital they can out of the business. It's got perfect debtor days, perfect creditor days, perfect stock days. Um, and they're still not getting a land. I mean, I think the, the, the one thing I would do, I'm going back to this resilience uh, survey that we've, we've uh, conducted this 50, um, 50 questions for highly resilient businesses. So it's, it's across strategy, working capital, business intelligence, uh, within the business governance, sales effectiveness. If, if you Assess the business on that, and you go, "Oh, actually, I'm, I'm only f- doing 17 out of the 50 traits for highly successful um, businesses." Um, and I should say, some of these things are based on the Rockefeller habits, things like that. Um, and uh, you know, the, the the 50 traits for highly successful business. So they might go, "Well, I'm only doing 17 out of 50. Maybe in, over the next year, I'll focus on doing these three things." Um, to make my business more resilient um, and then come back to the bank again after that. And it might be a case of just kind of betting down what you're doing, uh, keep doing what you're doing, but just making the business more stronger, more robust um, and, you know, go again. Uh, So I I would, you know, I wouldn't take it. It'll be a rejection for a reason. Um, And I'd, I'd also just caution you know, I wouldn't just go straight into any kind of kind of high interest rate loans um, just because they get knocked back by a kind of a you know a, a top tier bank. Um, they, you're you getting knocked back for a reason, so and it's good to uh, re- identify what that is and work on it. Um, and and once you work on that, then you're you're back because if you if you you know if you get a loan and it's you know kind of extortionate interest rates, that, that can put you further back as well, because all of a sudden you can't service, if you can't service a, a 6% or 8% bank loan, there's definitely no way they're going to service a, a higher interest rate loan. So I wouldn't necessarily jump straight to that. Um, I would understand, s- step back a bit, look at the business and, and you know, um, on, on our website, actually, you can do free It's a free resilience assessment that people can go on and do. Um, just to get a sense of where, where they're at. Um, I would encourage that. Um, and that what it'll do is it'll just give them half a dozen things to work on themselves over the next 12 months um, and, and go again. Mm.
0: I think we're running out of time. I guess one final question. I'm just wondering, are there any trends that you might be seeing that, uh, in terms of securing finance that you think people should be aware of? Yeah, th-
1: there's... I mean, look, there's certainly a lot of cash around the economy at the moment, but I think um, so there's no shortage of that, but it's it's uh, it's really, uh, you know, the the, the lenders are being cautious um, about, you know, where where to place their capital. Um, I mean, they're and lenders are also kind of attuned to the various economic factors at the moment. So, you know, the ATO. Is is kind of starting to gradually escalate as well. So there's about I think there's about thirty five billion dollars under um, tax arrears at the moment, and and ATO are, are starting to ramp up their activity as far as DPNs and all that kind of stuff. So um, so there's a trend kind of in in that direction as well. Um, and I'm not saying there's going to be a, a rump of insolvencies, but insolvency levels are back to what they were pre COVID, um, and not that I think there's going to be a massive run on solvency companies, but there is a gradual trend that that's going to get, you know, that that's going to increase. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, there is a trend for companies going towards those second tier lenders if they're getting knocked back by the, by the banks. Um, but yeah, I just think yeah, lenders are just mo- more vigilant than ever these days. They do insist on three-way forecasts. Um, well, lender worth their salt will will insist on a three way forecast um, and you know cash flow forecasts and a, and a and a business plan. So that's and those trends from a banking perspective have been going on for some time. Uh, you know, particularly since since the GFC, um, they're you know a lot more you know attuned to to that. But um, yeah, just as you just got to have your ducks in a row, have your pack ready uh, to to send to the bank and just be. Yeah, all, all all over your numbers.
0: Mm. Thank you, Kevin. Such great advice and um, so many things for our listeners to think about. So thank you for joining us this morning.
1: It's quite a lot. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.